Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. going on everybody welcome back to another episode of dwp versus the internet my name is ryan host of dangerous world podcast if you haven't already known that now this is a weekly episode that i've been doing um it's the second one actually where i'm taking other people's content i'm looking at it we're watching youtube videos or videos of some kind usually shorter ones and i just want to give my thoughts on these things you know, a lot of people do really great work out there and create some awesome content. And not only do I want to kind of share with my awesome audience here, you guys, uh, some of the work that some of these people are doing, but I kind of want to add on to it too, right? So if you are a creator of any of this content and you do not want to be on my platform, feel free to email me, dangerousworldpodcast at gmail.com. Can take it down, no problem. This isn't to step on anyone's toes. I'll never have anyone's work on here that I don't like. So with that being said, getting that out of the way, this episode, I'm doing something a little different than I will be in the future because I'm going to start, uh, you know, sharing my MMA podcast on this feed as well. We're going to be posting it in the evenings, probably on Thursdays. <clears throat> so, you know, if you don't like MMA, don't listen to it. It'll be clearly labeled. It's a different show altogether. It's not taking away any content from the conspiracy stuff, similar to what I do with that conspiracy break room stuff, right? I like talking about food. MMA and conspiracies. So this is obviously a conspiracy focused channel. And I just want to make that clear for everybody that does not like MMA. Just don't listen to the casual KO. We're not sure if we're going to stick with that name or not, but it will be clearly labeled as a different podcast. This, however, is DWP versus the Internet. This is conspiracy themed. And I'm mixing the two together here. I'm mixing MMA and conspiracies. And this is just such an incredible topic, I think. In Ramzan Kadyrov, he's a Chechen dictator. Uh, people call him a warlord. A lot of people, you know, paint him with a, a broad brush and say he's just all bad. I don't really know enough about the dude to say he's bad or good. I think he's an incredibly interesting character, though, especially with my interest in again conspiracies and MMA. Now, the the video that I'm going through here, Stephen strangles people. Is I found the some channel, of the most popular self defense videos on the in here speaking because I opened up his uh channel here steven strangles people mostly mma focused he does some really short uh, documentaries and uh you know get some really good information out there for people that are into mma and really a lot of ufc so check his channel out if you're into this kind of thing you know i like for an to, episode like of say, the give credit to these people that do this great content so let's jump into this video for an episode a of longer the one so i don't want to waste too much time 22 minutes there's one part in the video that I'll skip where he's trying to plug his information. I'm going to list it all in the bio. So if you want to check out his work, check out the bio. But uh, again, let's get into this because I've got not only some stuff on him after we watch this video, Ramzan Kadyrov got some interesting theories about some of these 
badass fighters that are coming out of this region. Dagestan specifically, which is right next to Chechnya, I think it's actually kind of considered part of it in a weird way. Things are weird over there. It's like Republic of Dagestan, Republic of Chechnya. Um, and then there's different cities where some of these people come from. A lot of people come out of one particular city in Dagestan. And again, I've just got some theories, some real conspiratorial shit when it comes to this MMA stuff. So let's check this video out. I think you're going to enjoy this one a lot. Uh, I know this is just an incredible video for me. There's some shorter ones out there, but this one does it really well. So here we go. Uh, Steven strangles people. Thanks for this awesome work. The HBO series Real Sports with Brian Gumbel in 2007, correspondent David Scott was presented with a rare opportunity, an interview with the Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov, a man who was not known for his welcome of Western journalists. The crew traveled to Granzi, the capital city of Chechnya, to film the latest of the Chechen MMA fighting tournaments and the interview itself. They were repeatedly brushed off, delayed, and ultimately forced to return to the U.S. once their travel visas expired. They decided to try again, returning to Granzi and speaking to the press secretary. After an intense screening process, more delays, and brushing off, Kadyrov finally sat down and spoke with David Scott. The result was an explosive interview, one in which the famously quick-tempered Kadyrov went on an extended rant about his nation's strength, repeated calls against the West, and anti-gay beliefs consistent with Chechnya's national policies. I wanted to ask you about the alleged roundup, abduction, and, and torture of, of gay men in the Republic. Um, what, Mr. President, do you want to, to say about that? So, you know, he speaks Russian, obviously. Now we know why he came here, he says, and what he's getting at with these questions. This is nonsense. We don't have any gays. If there are any, take them to Canada. Praise be to God. The interview seemed to give off the same impression that Kadyrov clearly wanted to convey with his public image as a tough, feisty leader with strength and machismo. He frequently poses with weapons in military garb and has especially established himself as a big name in the world of mixed martial arts. While it's not easy to know how much of this is real, genuine interest in how much is a deliberate attempt to reinvent Chechnya's international image, Kadyrov's mixing of authoritarian rule and sports is a well-known page from the political playbook. Chapter 1, Sports and Nationalism Mixed Well. The ancient Greek politician well. Pericles is often quoted as saying in 430 BC, quote, just because you do not take an interest in politics doesn't mean politics won't take an interest in you. In a modern political landscape that seems so divisive and polarized in many countries, it can be tempting to divorce yourself from any and all ideology altogether. But it is essential for every free citizen to always keep in mind that politics and spheres of political influence are all around us in our everyday lives. They exist in movies and books, even ones you might not consider as obvious, in artwork, even in the very architecture and urban design that we walk around and take for granted every single day. And they also exist in our sports. Known as sports diplomacy, using sports as a political tool is a proud and true tradition of governments all across the world. Whether it's Adolf Hitler. You gotta love when you try and pause something and like the Zoom just fucks with you here. I was trying to say that. There is absolutely a ton of influence, and we're seeing this more and more in every single thing, whether it's the Grammys, whether it's movies, and the movie that they chose to show was Avengers. And, you know, Operation Red Pill, we talked about this a little bit. They did some great work showing how the dualistic nature of that, showing these evil entities in this, in these, uh, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as good guys, portraying them as good guys in a very secret way, a very low-key way, right? The, the evil guys represent God. The good guys represent the devil and demons and all these things. 
it, it's incredibly interesting. And yes, we do see this in sports too. As the video goes on to talk about, Hitler did this, right? Hitler tried to rally support for uh, Germany and for the Nazi party by showing the Aryan sup- supremacy, right? In, in heavy quotes there, because they end up getting their asses kicked by black dudes and the Olympics and all these things, right? There's some incredible stats that this dude shares too to prove that sports teams winning uh, in local areas actually boosts morale for the politicians and the support of said politicians in the area. So it's incredibly, I think, relevant here. So here we go. Hitler using various strong athletes such as boxer Max Schmeling to attempt to prove Aryan-German genetic supremacy or the Olympic Games being used as a tool to isolate South Africa and prevent it from competing until the nation ended its practices of apartheid. The world sees fit to use sport to indicate their displeasure with apartheid or the worst elements of what is remaining of apartheid. And to me that is an absolute abuse of sport which should, and the British told us that, that sport should be played for the sake of sport and not to be abused for political ends. Sports have a long history of use as a political tool employed by nations for a ton of different reasons. And it makes sense to some degree, doesn't it? Sports showcase the athletic peaks of a nation's population. They showcase camaraderie and teamwork, the heightened sense of nationalistic pride and competitive nature that comes from an international competition. Think about the rituals that go on at sporting events, too, whether it's the Olympics opening ceremonies, whether it's the Super Bowl halftime show. There's a lot of really low level or high level, depending on how you see it, covert, we'll say, methods used to sway people's opinions, sway people's thoughts, maybe put a certain influence on people. So, I mean, we're about to see probably something very strange with the Super Bowl halftime show where Rihanna's coming back. Rihanna's obviously a play off of Rihanna, which is a Wiccan god, if I'm uh, remembering that correctly. You've got a lot of weird folks in there. We just had that androgynous, uh, what the hell's that guy's name? Sam Smith or whatever. I've never even heard of this dude going out there in a top hat with devil horns and doing all this satanic shit. It's incredibly strange and, again, incredibly effective. can be used to unify and stir up a nation's populace. And don't think you're immune, no matter where it is you live. A U.S. study conducted by the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science attempted to find links between the outcome of local college American football matches near the date of an election and the voting patterns of presidents, senators, and governors. They found that a win by the local team a week before an election raised the votes for the incumbent candidate by 1.5% on average. 1.5% on average and up to 3% in cases of teams with high attendance. This is the way it's going to sway a game. So if you're playing, excuse me, a a game in Seattle and you have the Seattle Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals and the Seahawks just stomp out the Arizona Cardinals, if that happens to be around an election, which they could be, right? Uh, the, The football season, I believe, starts in September. October, something like that. So, I mean, you know, in an election year, you could see this. There's going to be a 1.5 to 3% jump in people actually supporting the Seattle incumbent candidate if the, the team does well against Arizona in this case. Incredibly strange. It's just like the low levels of manipulation in everything are very present. And up to 3% in cases of teams with high attendance. Given that fact, it's easy to see why sports would be a prime target for world leaders to control their nation's image and ensure strong national morale. 
especially authoritarian leaders for whom nation image is of utmost international importance. Incredible this could very well be the reason that Kadyrov has such an obsession with sports like soccer and mixed martial arts. In 2014, seven years after gaining power as Chechnya's leader, Kadyrov founded Akhmat MMA, a fighting club named after his father. Akhmat MMA is a fight club that consists of match promotion and training facilities in Chechnya and various other post-Soviet states. The club is not only still owned by Kadyrov, it is sponsored by him through the Chechen government's budget. A budget which covers fighters' monthly expenses such as travel fees, training fees, and medical expenses. So you'll start to see why this is so interesting because the caliber of fighters that he is funding, Ramzan is funding through this Akhmat training facility, I mean, it's top-level people. Right now, currently, the light heavyweight champ and the former light heavyweight champ, both coming from the same city in Dagestan. And you'll also see, if you're familiar with MMA names, Hamzat Shimaev, uh, they show photos of him. Hasbala, who is an incredibly interesting, he's not really a fighter, but just a figure in the MMA world. He's got to deal with the UFC, which is supposedly a fight contract, but for me, it seems like a more promotional thing. Hasbala, if you haven't seen this kid, Google him. You'll think that he's six, seven, eight years old. He's, I think, 20 now, um, which all in its own is is interesting because the guy has a rare form of dwarfism. And, you know, we were talking about this before I was recording. I was talking about this, that usually in in countries like this where they're so machismo, they're so they're so, you know, hell bent on being strong, tough men. I mean, they're an Islamic nation, basically. So women don't really have as many rights as. They do hear Habib, the former lightweight champ of the UFC, has said really weird things about like ring girls, that they their jobs are pointless and all this blah, blah, blah. They don't really let deformed people live. So I have some interesting theories on Hasbullah, which I'll talk about after this, why he's allowed to be there, why he's not only allowed to be there, but he's gaining so much attention for Dagestan and for Russian MMA. Some of it just doesn't make sense, but uh, sorry to jump in there. It's just you'll you'll see some of these names, and if you Google them or if you're familiar with them, you'll be like, damn, all these guys really are funded by this warlord, dude. Fighters who perform well go on to also receive lavish gifts, such as expensive cars. Fighters from the Chechen club have moved on to sign with the UFC despite their ties to the controversial leader and region of Chechnya. Fighters like Magomed Bibulatov, Ruslan Magomedov, and Abdul Karim Adilov. Adilov in particular was pushed to the forefront of Chechen propaganda and promoted wildly as a celebrity. Just months before making his UFC debut, he was found doping and suspended for 15 months, a suspension which the United States Anti-Doping Agency later reduced. Hmm. Even during the suspension, though, Kadyrov constantly promoted Adilov on Chechen state TV, photo ops, and public training sessions. Adilov made his debut in Rotterdam, defeating his opponent by TKO. However, Adilov wouldn't compete in the UFC again, instead becoming a chief of staff in Chechnya after winning favor with Kadyrov. Isn't that interesting? You know, it seems that with with Kadyrov here, they have everyone that they possibly can in Chechnya participate in MMA as almost like a prerequisite, right? If you're thinking about it as uh, like school, it would be like your your very basic level stuff. You're reading, you're writing, you're arithmetic, right? You you do that, and then you also do something else. Are you uh, a big, strong dude? Well, you're going to do MMA and also military. Are you good uh, with art? You're going to do art and MMA. You're going to do two things, one of them always being some form of fighting. 
um, if not that, in some other kind of sport in general. Because if you fail out of that, you you have a, a future in these other things. And in this case, it seems that this individual here actually got a place in his cabinet, uh, Ramzan's cabinet, that is, incredibly strange, right? We don't really see many mixed martial artists get into the political sphere after they've gotten kicked out for doping, right? This is a, a one-of-a-kind kind of situation. He was quickly promoted to vice premier of Chechnya, supposedly in charge of supervising youth policy and sports. This is far from the only position of government or authority given to sports figures who win favor with Kadyrov. Beslan Ushakov is a former champion of the Akhmat Fighting Club who has since gone on to become a member of the Special Chechen Forces Unit, a military force currently engaged in the war in Ukraine. So I guess I should say that it's rare outside of Chechnya. Seems like it's fairly common in Chechnya. Shikov has become a famed celebrity in Chechnya due to Kadyrov's continued public support. He, much like Kadyrov, enjoys a position of power largely due to his performance as a fighter who has proven loyal to Ramzan Kadyrov. And then there's Bislan Ushikov. Who holds the Akhmat welterweight title and simultaneously serves in Kadyrov's special forces. When he enters the cage, he says he's serving the same master. As a matter of fact, the entire Akhmat MMA club itself is controlled by Abu Zayed Vishmuradov, a decorated Chechen general and one of Kadyrov's right-hand men. Even beyond just the benefit of a strong source of propaganda, the Akhmat club also features a more practical and horrifying benefit, a training ground for soldiers. You see, even though the Akhmat club trains thousands of Chechen men at its many training facilities, there are obviously thousands of MMA fighters coming out of Chechnya. What do the rest of those that are trained but not selected do? A lot of them join the military or police regiments within Chechnya. Among these is the Terek SWAT forces, a police force that just so happens to also be controlled by Vizmuridov, the very same man in charge of controlling the Akhmat MMA club. In addition to all the effort in elevating native Chechen mixed martial artists to high social status, Kadyrov has also worked to adopt some athletes into the Akhmat MMA sphere. He spent years seemingly courting Habib Nurmagomedov, the longest reigning UFC lightweight champion and generally considered one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. Undefeated UFC record. I, I personally don't think he's uh, the best of all time, greatest of all time. I don't even think he's top five, in my opinion. Now, a lot of people would disagree that are familiar with the situation, but the guy's a, a, a Sunni Muslim. Very, very devout. I've actually got some separate theories on him, which I'll share after the video and the Patreon portion. This guy has brought in so much attention to Dagestan, this little tiny area of Russia, Republic of Russia, that no one's heard of until this guy came around, realistically, right? It's got an interesting, rich history, but the guy is forever put Dagestan on the map when it comes to UFC, which is, I mean, MMA in general is, I think, still the quickest growing sport in the world. So, you know, this guy got in at a great time. His father's an interesting figure as well. And again, I've got some theories here to share after uh, this guy's awesome work here. Over the course of a few years, Kadyrov would invite Nurmagomedov to Akhmat MMA shows as a guest of honor, gift him luxury cars, invite him to host training seminars at Akhmat training facilities, and more. During a border dispute between Chechnya and Dagestan, Nurmagomedov's home region, the fighter defended and promoted Kadyrov as a strong leader. But in 2019, Kadyrov made a claim that Imam Shamil, a leader of a resistance against imperialist Russia, who was himself from Dagestan, led to, quote, the annihilation of the Chechen people. Imam Shamil is a revered hero among the people of Dagestan, including Nurmagomedov himself. 
Since then, Kadyrov shifted his attention to Hamzat Chemaev, a UFC fighter born in Chechnya, currently ranked number three in the welterweight division of the UFC, who had a Sweden. breakout performance in a June 2020 UFC showcase in Abu Dhabi. Hamzat has previously visited the Akhmat facilities on multiple occasions, including to once host a training seminar for children. Since his breakout performance, he has been gifted cars and publicly supported by Kadyrov, echoing the same tactics that the Chechen leader employed to win favor with Nurmagomedov. Now, a lot of people forget that Nurmagomedov is part of this whole thing because of the focus that has been shifted to Hamzat, who really plays, to use a wrestling term, pro wrestling term, plays the heel a lot. Uh, this guy's not a likable guy. He came out, set out he wanted to be the first ever triple champ, meaning holding three belts in three separate divisions. I, I don't see how that's going to possibly happen. I think he might get a middleweight belt. He set out to to be in the welterweight division, which is 170. Uh, dude weighed in, I think at 178 and, and wasn't able to fight. They had to switch all these cards around for our, or switch all these fights around for UFC 279. And, you know, I think that it was actually planned, right? But I also think that the UFC is very much in cahoots with this Kadyrov guy. And I'm, I'm just spitballing here. I have no proof of this. It's just something that I think, uh, it's strange. It's very strange that that the same methods are being used here. You see Khabib uh, posing in front of a BMW. Looks like Hamzat's in a Range Rover or something. Got a pretty girl there. That's I don't know if that's you know his girlfriend or sister or just some some chick that Kadyrov bought for Hamzat. But you know it, it's it's interesting, right? MMA has quickly become one of Kadira's more prominent methods of spreading his image of hyper-masculinity, both for himself and for the general public image of Chechnya. In addition to the Akhmat Club, Kadyrov has also thrown parties and had events with famous boxers with like Mike Mayweather. Tyson and Floyd Mayweather, as well as MMA fighting champions like Frankie Edgar and Fabricio Verdum. Mm. Verdum, a former UFC heavyweight champion, is someone that Kadyrov seems to especially take an interest in. In 2015, Verdun made a lucrative deal to sign on as the ambassador for the Chechen Akhmat Fighting Club. On December 10, 2020, the U.S. Department of the Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control issued a round of sanctions aimed at Kadyrov for, quote, serious violations of human rights, also targeting the Akhmat MMA Fight Club for providing the dictator with, quote, pride and profit. While this may curb some of the ambition of establishing Chechnya as a central figure in the world of MMA internationally, it has done little to dispel the political power of the club within Chechnya itself. MMA isn't the only sport that Kadyrov sees. So you're seeing the, the pattern form here. It really is something that, that is used consistently with this guy. And... I mean, this is where the video really gets kind of crazier. So here's the rest. He also takes an interest in soccer, the most popular sport in the world. During the 2018 World Cup, the Egyptian Football Association had its training camp hosted within Chechnya by Kadyrov himself. Mohamed Salah, the star player of the team and one of the most prominent Muslim athletes in the world at the time, was paid a personal visit by Kadyrov and invited to a banquet for the team, during which he was given honorary Chechen citizenship. Russia's state-funded media news agency, RT, covered the story with videos and photos extensively, and the Egyptian Football Association received heavy criticism for its actions in associating with Kadyrov. Chechnya's own official soccer team is the FC Akhmat Grozny, also named after Akhmat Kadyrov. The platform provided by the existence of the team and its fan base is one that Kadyrov has repeatedly used to project a strong national image. In 2014, he used the Akhmat Arena, the soccer stadium of the team was seating for over 30,000 people 
as the location for a speech. Instead of fans, there were instead over 20,000 soldiers in military garb. That is creepy. Kadyrov quoted his father in the speech saying, quote, The time has come for us to make our conscious choice. And we say this to the whole world that we are the combat infantry of Vladimir Putin declaring that his army would perform the assignments that only volunteers could perform instead of official militaries, and that this would be Chechnya's role to play. With the arenas and stadiums being used to prop up platforms like this, it's no wonder that the FC Akhmat Granzi has been mirrored in controversy, cheating scandals, and interference allegations. The club is under the control of Magomed Dudov, a former guerrilla commander turned chairman of the parliament of the Chechen Republic. Daudov is often considered the second most influential public figure in Chechnya, only behind Kadyrov himself, and has been accused of carrying out special orders given by Kadyrov in extrajudicial fashion. In 2016, during a match between FC Akhmat Granzi and a team from the Russian Republic of Tatarstan, FC Rubin Kazan, it was alleged that Daudov had entered the changing room of the referees during halftime and pressured them into ensuring the match went in the way of FC Akhmat. In the second half of the game, two FC Rubin players were expelled with red cards, and Granzi went on to easily win the game by 3-1. to one. <laughs> Chapter 2, what is Kadyrov hiding? With all of the money and political influence being spent on these sports programs and sporting infrastructure undertakings, there is a simple question that comes to mind. Why haven't you guys signed up to my Patreon? No, but seriously, if you want to support the oh, channel, that in there. the nice. easiest way to do that is by checking out the pinned comment below. For Tier 1, you get early access to these videos that you see on YouTube, and for Tier 2 and up... You guys don't want to hear that here, but I encourage you to check out his his work again. This video alone is reason, I think, for a lot of people to support work like this, dude. This is incredible stuff. Trying to distract both his own people and the larger international community from, well, I think I have a guess. Chechnya declared its independence from the Soviet Union in 1991, an independence it preserved from invading Russian troops until the Second Chechen War broke out in 1999. Kadyrov's father, Akhmat Kadyrov, switched sides in the war and offered his allegiance to Vladimir Putin, becoming the Chechen president in 2003. He was assassinated in 2004 and replaced by the short-lived president, Alu Alkanov. But as soon as Ramzan Kadyrov became the ruling age, 30 years old in Chechnya, he took over as the Chechen leader in 2007. How insane is it that you can turn 30 years old and then get appointed the leader of an entire country? Imagine me, Steven Strangles, 30 years old. What are you talking about? Now I'm in D.C. running the whole country. They got it backwards over there. And someone should be doing something about this. His regime has been described as despotic. That's one thing I will say. Why should someone do something about it? Why? You know what? Here in the United States, we feel like we have the moral authority over every other country. I don't I don't agree with the guy's methods of, you know, killing gay people allegedly. I don't agree with that. But dude, if he was if he was sitting there and he was killing right wingers, our government would be praising him. So, we got to think about that. You know, if we want to be isolationist as it seems like a lot of us do, especially now with the total funding of Ukraine in this bullshit uh, you know, theater war, we can't sit there and say, "Hey, this guy needs to, someone needs to change how they run shit over there." No, not, I, that's one thing that I will uh, 100% disagree on. It's their business to do things how they want. Uh, it, it provides us some, with some great content here. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's strange when the U.S. is like, yeah, they're messing with gay people. They're messing with liberal agendas. They're the worst in the world. I, I disagree. I think that it's just the same as if people were to go out there and kill conservatives and kill people that 
that think more like, uh, you know, Trump supporters do. Our own government here in the United States was saying that we need to do something about Trump supporters. Do something. It didn't mean re-educate it. It meant they, uh, some people literally were saying drone strikes uh, on news platforms. It's it's backwards here. It really is backwards here. And I'm not saying by any means that we need to kill anyone off their beliefs. But every single one of you listening thinks that there is a group of people that should be killed out there for their beliefs. It doesn't need to be religious. What about pedophiles? Do you think pedophiles should be killed for their beliefs? Because I've heard a lot of people say that, right? And that's not a crazy thought. These people view homosexuality the way that a lot of us view pedophilia. They think that it is just downright wrong. That's the way that they think. That's the way they feel. If it was something that we were in line with over here, we would totally support it. So, yeah, uh, I say let these guys do shit how they want. No, no one's taken over that area, right? No one's taken over Chechnya think it's probably a lot easier to take over the freaking United States with our military, where they're now allowed to wear dresses, literally. I mean, I know who I'd rather fight, to be honest. Oppressive and tyrannical, he has been repeatedly accused of adding to his personal wealth through illegal theft of federal subsidies provided to Chechnya by the Russian government. Okay, so like our like our government doesn't do that, right? Our government doesn't illegally funnel money to themselves into their own bank accounts. Between 2001 and 2014, Chechnya received over 400 billion rubles in the form of grants, donations, and subsidies, accounting for nearly 80% of the republic's budget. But the funds never seemed to reach the people themselves, with most of the money allegedly being funneled into Kadyrov's personal funds. There also exists the Akhmat Kadyrov Foundation, a registered public fund charity which operates a building company that services infrastructure projects and collects a fee as high as 30% of earnings from all Chechen working citizens. In 2011, the foundation... I mean, do I have to say it? 30% of all working citizens? Isn't that what taxes are here? Come on. Foundation funded Kadyrov's 35th birthday party, a lavish affair which featured celebrities like Jean-Claude Van Damme and Hilary Swank. Publicly, Kadyrov has come out in support of limiting the rights and public lives of women in Chechnya and claimed that there are no gay men in Chechnya and that if there are, they should be removed from the Republic of Chechnya. Now, (laughs) I don't want to laugh at that, you know, but that's not possible. Kadyrov, gay people exist everywhere. You know, they can't pass this line. I don't know what it is. They can't be born within this particular circumference. But beyond just public statements... The number of human rights abuses he has been tied to since the start of his rule can only be described as staggering. In November of 2006, Human Rights Watch, an international non-governmental organization that conducts research and advocacy on human rights, published a paper prepared for a session of the United Nations Committee Against Torture. The briefing document covered reports of torture from an array of Chechen military and governmental bodies and units effectively under the command of Kadyrov himself. The report stated that torture, quote, in both official and secret detention facilities is widespread and systemic. Human Rights Watch concluded that, quote, forced disappearances in Chechnya were so common and widespread that they constituted crimes against humanity. The German human rights group. Crimes against humanity we just had perpetuated here in the United States with this little jabby jab, right? So it's very hypocritical, not from the content creator here, but the idea that only the bad guys can commit crimes against humanity, right? Um, he said something there earlier, too, which I wanted to comment on, but he was in the middle of a sentence. So we'll just skip it for now. But 
there's a lot of hypocrisy coming from the people that create this news. Again, not this channel. I think that this is done incredibly well, and I can't stress that enough. It is it is backwards to think that these guys are the only ones doing these kinds of things. We just brand it better over here in the U.S. and in the West as a whole. Society for Threatened People has branded Ramzan Kadyrov a war criminal and alleged that as many as 75% of recent torture, kidnappings, and murders have been committed by the Kadyrovites. What are the Kadyrovites, you might be asking? Well, I have the answer. A paramilitary organization that was originally formed under Ahmad Kadyrov as a Chechen separatist militia. The term now also encompasses the Chechen Special Rapid Response Unit and the OMON, a special policing unit with the Russian National Guard. They now act as Ramzan Kadyrov's private army, with countless allegations of being utilized by Kadyrov to carry out extrajudicial punishment, commit atrocities such as torture, murder, and kidnapping. Under Kadyrov, the Kadyrovites were tasked with the anti-gay purges of Chechnya, in which gay men were rounded up and tortured, placed in concentration camps that were also operated by the Kadyrovites. Now, that's never good, obviously, right? Um, this, this leads to genocide. Genocide, I, I know that's, you know, referring to the way someone looks mostly or, uh, religion, but I mean, this, this is genocide adjacent, maybe it's the same, same idea, right? Uh, killing someone over their beliefs. Again, not a good thing, but just about everybody has a group of people that they, that they would be okay with, with, uh, you know, killing because of their beliefs. Again, cite pedophiles. Okay. In 2021, a Council of Europe report into anti-LGBT hate crimes described these purges as, quote, the single most egregious example of violence against LGBT people in Europe that has occurred in decades. Ramzan Kadyrov denied not only these practices, but the very existence of homosexuality in Chechnya itself, and claimed that if such people did exist in Chechnya, they would likely be killed by their families and should be taken out of the republic. It's crazy that in 2022 that this guy's still a human being in society doing things. It's nerve-wracking. It's scary. And also, please don't come for me. <laughs> That's funny. Um, it's not that crazy. These people just believe in different things. Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, Islam Mahachev, uh, you know, uh, Hamzat Shimaev, Magomed Ankalaev, who was pictured earlier, uh, Hezbollah, right? These guys don't see women's rights as the same as we do. We're not criticizing them because we like their work, right? We especially Hasbala. A lot of people like Hasbala's work. It, it, it's just a it's a scale, right? So yeah, there's people out there that don't believe gays exist. It's just a different culture. It's very one dimensional to think that we got it all figured out over here and it's just the way that it is. Um, so yeah. Anna Politkovskaya was a Russian reporter and human rights activist who gained fame for her reporting during the Second Chechen War. She claimed to have come into the possession of video footage of kidnappings and murders of federal servicemen that were directed by Kadyrov himself. Quote, these are very serious things, she said. On the basis of this evidence, a criminal case and investigation should follow. This could allow this person to be brought to justice, something he has long richly deserved. She allegedly began working on an article detailing human rights abuses and regular use of torture by Chechen authorities, an article that would never be released. On October 7th, 2006, Politkovskaya was found dead in the elevator of her apartment building in Moscow. She had been shot. In 2004, Kadyrov had engaged in a conversation with her, and one of his assistants had said, quote, someone ought to have shot you back in Moscow. 
This is far from his only threat levied at journalists. Natalia Estemarova was a member of the human rights group Memorial, an international human rights group founded in Russia during the fall of the Soviet Union. She had investigated the Chechen government's alleged abuses through government-backed militias. On July 15, 2009, she was abducted and killed. Memorial Chairman Oleg Petrovich Orlov accused Kadyrov for the killing and claimed that Kadyrov had threatened her repeatedly. Elena Milashina, journalist for the publication Novaya Gazeta, broke the story of the gay purges in Chechnya in 2017. They talked to victims, many victims, and uh, they all said this, that it was well organized from the state. And the only goal of this campaign was to make Chechnya free of gays. And in 2020, came to the Chechen capital of Granzi to attend the trial of a blogger who was jailed for publishing a video of Kadyrov's estate. A group of young men and women beat Milashina in the lobby of the hotel where she was staying. This came a week after Kadyrov labeled journalists of the Gazeta, quote, devils, for investigating the alleged forced disappearances in the Republic. And of course, this never happens here, right, in the West. I mean, uh, look up, uh, what about Joan Rivers, right? Not provable, but interesting right we can prove things over here or over there rather we can prove things we can say that um ramzan kadyrov is behind this right and we can prove it we can say putin is behind all this stuff definitively we can't prove it over here though somehow right you have joan rivers you have uh hastings who was about to release a piece on uh I believe John Brennan it was. And then he decides to drive his tree into a fucking car in the middle of the day. You know, again, we can prove things definitively when it's our enemies, but when it's our own government and, you know, CIA, which is government, it's very impossible to prove it. And you're a conspiracy theorist if this is the case. Interesting. Later that year, Kadyrov himself threatened Milashina after she spoke out against the nation's harsh protocols and spoke to the citizens who said they were afraid of reporting symptoms to the government for fear of being labeled and punished as terrorists. Kadyrov seemed to threaten her life for the article, saying, quote, I'm fed up. If you want us to commit a crime and become criminals, then say so. Someone will take on this burden of responsibility and will be punished under the law. He'll spend time in prison and get out. Even Kadyrov's repeated attempts at using sports to distract from Chechnya's history of human rights abuses has, itself, ended up leading to even more human rights abuse. In 2016, a series of Akhmad club fights aired live on Russian television. Nothing particularly weird about that, right? Except the fact that the men fighting weren't men at all, but children. Children as young as eight years old, without any protective headgear, attacking one another like a real mixed martial arts fight, including Kadyrov's own children. Those children, as it happens, were trained by Abdul Karim Adilov, the prize Akhmat fighter turned vice premier, who was in charge of overseeing youth policy for Chechnya. One of the fights ended in a knockout. To call it sickening doesn't even begin to cover it. Fedor Emelianenko, a heavyweight Russian mixed martial artist and retired. head of a governing body in Russian MMA, criticized the event publicly, saying that he was outraged by what he witnessed. The very next week, his 16-year-old daughter was hospitalized after being attacked on her way from school. The attack was not linked to Ramzan Kadyrov directly, but the only statement Kadyrov made related to the incident was in saying that he was sure that Emelianenko had, quote, realized his mistake in levying the criticism against the underage fighting event. Kadyrov's critics, journalists who attempt to expose his dealings and enemies of Chechen interests being punished in some way, disappearing or being found dead is a consistent and alarming pattern. 
So obviously it's not good to like have kids out there pay being paid to fight on a, on a program like that. There is something to be said about training kids to fight at a, at a young age to, to be men, boys, teaching boys how to be men, right? Just mindless violence isn't, you know, manlike or whatever you want to say. But there are a lot of kids that spar usually with headgear, I think is, is definitely something that I would agree on for sure. And by no means am I defending this guy. I'm just saying that he's not. Uh, all that different from, you know, Western leaders. Really, he's really not. It's just the, the people that they're going after are different. The methods are night and day different. But, um, I mean, I see a lot of similarities here. Very interesting, too, that uh, Fedor Emelianenko's 16-year-old daughter was attacked. Uh, I think Fedor still lives in Russia, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't know. I should have looked at that, but it's, it's sad, obviously, when you target a child over something that an adult says. So that's never good. But, you know, this stuff happens. Kids get hurt here. Remember, uh, recently with the, uh, he was that asshole out of Georgia, the governor, his, uh, daughter's boyfriend turned up dead recently after, and I forget the guy's name because he's such a piece of shit, but, um, he was the guy going against Stacey Abrams. And he was, it seemed like siding with Trump a little bit. And then, you know, his, uh, his daughter's boyfriend ends up, uh, I think in a car crash or something. So there are things that, that happen like that over here too. So, you know, doesn't make it right, but it's not, it's not that different over here in the West. Especially given the fact that the man possesses his own professionally trained private military. That's not good. Chapter 3, you are not immune. All of these tactics to put on a display of national pride and strength were not invented by Kadyrov. Utilizing sports as a tool of propaganda and as a method of controlling national public image is so common that it has a name. Sports washing. Even more worrying is the fact that many soccer or MMA viewers internationally could be unknowingly contributing to Chechnya's plan of associating its republic's name with tough, masculine, strong fighters simply by watching MMA fights while not being aware of Chechnya's systematic government-controlled training of its fighters. At first, it seemed like the UFC was, at the very least, coming out against individual fighters associated with the Akma Club, such as releasing Adila from the organization after it was discovered that he had trained some of the children involved in the illegal child-fighting matches. And these guys are making some of the best fighters. It's just a fact. Tough times breed tough men. That's why increasingly you're going to see the United States fighters suck. They're going to start shitting the bed. I think right now, is there one UFC champion born in the U.S.? I'm trying to think. Um, you've got a Mexican champion. Uh, let me actually look at the, the belt. Revealed, though, quick. that this holders. release of contract was at Adilov's own request. Kadyrov and the Akma Club continue to do whatever they can to exert their influence on mixed martial arts internationally in an attempt to spread propaganda of Chechen strength and masculinity. And while these attempts are more obvious and brazen to outside viewers, it's important to remember one essential thing. No one, including you, is immune to propaganda, and it's essential to keep a watchful eye on the things that you're consuming and understanding what they are really trying to get you to believe and where they really come from. Good stuff, right? Okay, so to be to for an episode to, of the HBO to uh be fair here, there are two out of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, 
12 classes, excuse me. Um, there are two Americans. There's Jamal Hill, who I just watched fight, and then uh, Aljamain Sterling, although he claims Jamaica, so he wouldn't necessarily want to be called an American, I don't think. So um, as far as the West goes, you've got an Australian, you've got uh, an Englishman, and Leon Edwards, also coming from Jamaica from a very, very hard background, and Jamal Hill. And that's it. I mean, your women's champions, you got a Chinese lady, uh, Brazilian that's holding two belts and then uh, Russian. Right. So I think Russian. I don't know what Valentin where Valentina comes from, but uh, Shevchenko doesn't exactly sound like a Christian last name. But uh, yeah, man, it's 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 strange. And yeah, these these guys, a lot of Brazilians uh, fight at the highest levels here. Mexico is really getting a scene in the mixed martial arts world, but you got Russia and Brazil that are like your, your big ones there. Um, Australia has got some good fighters too, but they're just kind of built different there in Australia. Those are some freaks of nature in Australia, but yeah, man, again, Steven strangles people on YouTube. I can't thank him enough for the video. I haven't spoken with the dude. So again, if he happens to hear this, doesn't want this on here, just reach out to me, man. I'll take it down. Um, I think this is great work though, even though I disagree with a couple points that he was making there. I'll never disrespect any work that I share on this show. So with that being said, let's get into some of my own stuff here because this is uh, this is interesting. So I want to look at here this area of Dagestan that Habib Nurmagomedov put on the map, right? Um, or I should say rather this area of Russia. It's called Dagestan. There's a city that most of these guys come from. Actually, half the population of Dagestan seems to live here in Mahachkala. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right, because even though uh, I disagree with a lot of the methods that these people use, um, it seems like a very historically rich place. And there's there's an interesting story and, and some interesting things to be said about how Habib's story worked out. Now, Habib and Islam both, the former lightweight champion, current lightweight champion, are both uh, trained by Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov, who is, excuse me, who is uh, Habib's father, okay? Now, with Islam Mahachev, they say that they're cousins. They never mention one time, ever, they never mention Islam's family, Islam Mahachev's family. Interesting because he is filmed and shown on YouTube. His real genetic father is shown on YouTube holding his belt in the recent promotional video for UFC 284. He's right there, standing right next to Islam, supposedly. Now he's shorter than Islam. Um, looks to me like some sort of diplomat or some sort of politician. He's wearing a suit, uh, kind of like that business casual suit where it's like a, an overcoat. Um, or, or a sport coat, whatever they call him, with no tie, kind of business casual, if you will. And the guy is very well-spoken, doesn't seem like he wants to be out of the spotlight at all, holding the belt, holding his son's belt, sitting there talking in front of all of these Russian fans of Islam. So Russia knows who he is. People in Dagestan know who his father is. They're keeping Islam's father out of the limelight for some reason, and I don't know why. I don't know if he has uh, some some roots tying back to where the city, the capital of Dagestan, gets its name. Again, Mahachev is his last name. Mahachkala is the name of the city that they live in. Now, this city got its name in an interesting way 
fairly recently. Um, it says, as part of a Soviet revolution, place names relating to monarchy or religion were changed. And thus, on the 14th of May, 1921, Petrovsk, which is what this city was named before, which Mahachkala was named before, Petrovsk was named Mahachkala after Dagestani revolutionary Magomed Ali Mahach Dachadeev. That's a fucking tongue twister there. Um, on the same day, it became capital of the newly formed Dagestan Autonomous Soviet Socialist Republic. The city incurred major damage during an earthquake on May 14th of 1970 and was uh, briefly named Shamikala during the um, disintegration of the Soviet Union in honor of the Dagestani freedom fighter Imam Shamil. Now, Imam Shamil is the guy that they mentioned there that is a hero of every Dagestani. And the original name of the city that these guys come from is after Peter the Great, if I'm not mistaken, who was uh, you know, a, a former, uh, I don't know what the fuck he was, head of state. Let's see who Peter the Great was real quick, a Tsar. So um, most commonly known as Peter the Great was a Russian monarch who ruled the Tsardom of Russia from the 7th of May to... Um, uh, 1721. So the 7th of May, 1682, 1682 to 1721, and subsequently the Russian Empire until his death in 1725, jointly ruling with his elder brother Ivan V until 1996. And he primarily is credited with the modernization of the country, transforming it into a European power. So Peter the Great is what this little city was named after, but then they changed it to Machkala. Very, very similar to Mahachev, right? Same letters. You just take off Kala and put EV on it. And that's, that's where this guy comes from. So my question is, is Islam Mahachev's family Bolshevik revolutionists? And are they kind of in charge of this city? Because it seems like right now they're using Mahachev's raw talent and skill to continue putting uh dagestan on the map to continue leaving keeping it relevant in the mma world i find it interesting because there are some interesting little symbols here that go on with habib and with his work now i should have saved these pictures actually but i'll post them here for you guys to see there's a picture after ufc 281 with habib Nurmagomedov carrying islam Mahachev on his shoulders after he wins the belt what's interesting is that it seems like Khabib rolls his pant leg up, his right pant leg up, puts Islam on his shoulders, and then runs around the ring to celebrate, right? That's a Freemason ritual. They actually usually do their left leg. Where they roll their left leg up, they'll usually blindfold. And from what I understand, I'm not 100% correct on this. There's some Freemasons that listen to the show. So correct me if I'm wrong on this. It's an embarrassment ritual from what I understand, and it's also a sign if you are, if you abandon Freemasonry and then you want back in, you have to do that in some way, shape, or form. You have to roll up your pant leg, usually your left, and show that. Um, you, if you're if you're a celebrity like Dave Chappelle who did this, right? Dave Chappelle actually did. You can find a photo of Dave Chappelle rolling his pant leg up, uh, performing on stage. It, it seems to be a way to get back into the good graces of the Freemasons after you've abandoned it, right? Dave Chappelle leaves, goes to Africa, and then comes back and then rolls his pant leg up and does a show. Um, I think it was a smaller show. I don't think it was like a special or anything. This was also kind of a trend in the 
90s, right? Where people would walk around with one pant leg up. It's funny how the Masons kind of infiltrate all this stuff and in society and make kids do this without even knowing, right? Uh, but I find it very, very important to know that, you know, this is a Mason ritual. It's a Freemason ritual. And the reason why I think this, it could mean one of two things. It could mean that, that Khabib is mocking Freemasons. It, it could mean that he's mocking, uh, you know, the, the West or Christians because he's very devout Sunni Muslim. Um, it can mean a lot of things. So I'm trying to figure out the angle that I want to take in this upcoming fight where he is fighting what I believe is a Freemason because they did a very Masonic handshake. They put there when they shook hands, the, the man that Islam Mahachev is about to fight from Australia, which is known to have a ton of Freemasons per capita, right? Uh, I do actually this MMA show with an Australian. He's the one that told me this, that he puts his finger, he puts his thumb in the weirdest spot. And yeah, I know that the, the, you know, one guy's wearing UFC gloves, one's not, but it looked like he was trying to make that handshake happen. Um, I'll see if I can find the video of the handshake itself. Uh, maybe I can actually find it right now on YouTube and show any of you who are actually watching the, uh, well, here it is. So bear with me one second because I can't talk, um, and type at the same time. Khabib calling out, um, Volkanovsky. And we'll see if they show the handshake here. Yes, they might. Uh, well, this is a four minute clip. This is actually what happened as it went on. I'm sure that we're going to get an ad here. So I'll share my screen with you here in just a moment. Let's see. Yeah, so they're about to call the champ. And let's get that screen shared here. Here it is. Okay. So watch this secret handshake. Oh, they're putting the belt on. He's picking him up. He's got his right pant leg rolled up. I just think it's so weird. It's such a... Habib puts his hood on, still has his pant leg rolled up. He's getting his interview. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with the new undisputed lightweight champion in the world, Islam Mahajan. Let's see if we actually get to the handshake. Yes, so we do. Heavy. Okay. This short guy, is so there anything you want to say Alexander to the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world, the Alexander Volkanovsky? I didn't see this short guy. Bring him here. Get okay. Volkanovsky in here. So this is in Abu Dhabi, right? Um, Volkanovsky's entering the ring as he was watching. He was the backup fighter for this fight, actually. And he's wearing a Balenciaga shirt. Interesting. And he is uh, sitting there about to accept the fight in Australia. Pound for pound number one in the world in Alexander Volkanovsky versus pound for pound number two in the world in Islam Mahachev. Right, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the new Here's the lightweight handshake. champion of the world, Islam Mahachev and Alexander Volkanovsky. I got to rewind that just a second because it is. He adjusts. He adjusts it. I'm actually going to slow this down, too. Uh, let's see. Playback speed. We'll go. We'll go as slow as we can. No, that's as fast as we can. Excuse me. Jeez. Uh, point two five. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Here's the initial grab. Looks like a normal one, and then he puts his thumb back. 
And then he shakes Habib's hand. Just weird. It, it really stood out to me at the moment, too. I didn't notice Habib's pant leg rolled up, but I did notice Volkanovsky's strange handshake. And to be honest, and I've talked about this with uh, with my friends that are also into MMA, I, I really don't think that Islam, the current champion, is part of this. I don't think he knows what's going on. He's not an intelligent dude, to be honest. He, he doesn't seem like it. There's videos, too. Of him where he looks MK Ultra the fuck out. I mean, him and Habib are watching fights in, uh, you know, octagon side on basically, you know, if you're thinking about it, uh, like from basketball terms, court side, very close seats. And he's just sitting there with his eyes wide open and mouth wide open, just sitting there. Could he be some sort of MK Ultra dude victim? I have no idea. And I'm not even saying that, but a lot of people out there that have seen celebrities. And uh, people that have even seen like there's there's a one of Sam Tripoli doing this on um, on Infowars where he's sitting next to Eddie Bravo and he's like zoned out. He's got his head up. Looks like he's uh, a zombie. Right. There's there's video of Islam Mahachev doing the same things. There's uh, Shaq doing this uh, on live TV. There's Al Roker, if I'm not mistaken, doing it as well. Uh Kind of similar to the Wendy Williams thing where she freaked out and fell down, but it's just instead of freaking out and falling down, you're just sitting there still. Um, so that's just a separate theory that I kind of have here. And um, you know what? I'll, I'll be able to pull this up, too, and I can just show you so I can save myself the time of having to post the photo in the link where there is definitely a freemason ritual here and i'll show you the picture this is a great site uh susanrenison.com um, i'm not going to post this link yet because i actually want to do an episode on the on the work here done on this website but if you are a viewer of the show you will be able to see the website yourself so let's see boom boom so i guess this was a freemason ritual uh for pink you can see on the right an inductee into the first degree Freemason, from what I understand, and then also pink uh, with uh, you know wearing her pants, one checkerboard, one purple. It is the left leg that is checkerboard, checkerboard big Mason uh, duality symbolism there. Pink Forever, twenty uh, sixth of October two thousand nine. Pink performed the rendition of her song Sober at yesterday's MTV VMAs. To do uh, to some people, it would just look like her singing while on a trapeze with a man, just like uh, she has been doing this for Funhouse tour. Blah blah blah. Uh, to people who have learned and read about Freemasonry, it looked like Pink recreating the ritual of the first degree Freemasons. We have pointed out in the past that many of the current musicians and executives in the quote major music companies are Freemasons, or at least want people to believe they are part of the group. So. You have it right there. This is a first degree Freemason thing. Kind of interesting. Uh, it, again, is he mocking? Is is Habib mocking this? Or is he doing it? Is he doing his own version of it? Uh, again, it was his right leg, not his left. And the reason why I think he could be mocking it is because there is a form of Sunni uh, and Shia, really, uh, Muslim, that is called Sufism. And I, I hope I'm getting that pronunciation right. F, uh, sorry. S-U-F-I-S-M. And what it is, is it's, it's Islamic mysticism, okay? So this would be the secret society shit over there in this this area that not many people know about, Dagestan, Russia, 
uh, right there next to the Caspian Sea mountainous region, actually part of the Caucasus Mountains. And a quick description of Sufism here. Uh, it's a mystical branch of Islam in which Muslims seek divine love and truth through direct personal experience of God. This mystic tradition with Islam developed in several stages of growth, emerging first in the form of early ascentism based on the teachings of Hassan al-Bashri before entering the second stage of more classical mysticism of divine love as promoted by an al-Ghazadi and Attar of Nishpur. Um, and finally emerging in the institutionalized form of today's network, the fraternal Sufi orders. Based on the Sufis such as Rumi and Yunus Emery, at its core, however, Sufism uh, remains at an individual mystic. I'm sorry, fucking the. I'm just bad at reading for a long time. At its core, however, Sufism remains an individual mystic experience, and a Sufi can be characterized as one who seeks the annihilation of the ego in God. Okay, so the first form, the earliest form of ascentism, the earliest form of Freemasonry, right? The first stage of Freemasonry versus the earliest form of, uh, mysticism of ascentism right now these sufi orders are pretty darn interesting tarika and um it's it's essentially the same kind of damn thing as, as freemason it's a fraternal order that is focused on islam i spit a little bit there luckily most people aren't seeing that but it's just uh, you know just coincidences here nothing nothing concrete but this is kind of what i'm trying to do here is put these pieces together there's definitely something going on with this. There's absolutely some strange situation here. Why this little Russian area that no one knows about, really, until Khabib gets on the map, how this is becoming so influential. Now it's forever ingrained in the UFC in combat sports. It's like the mecca of combat sports, and it's going to be increasingly so. Khabib right now, I think he trains out of AKA, um, which is in California. I think it's American Kickboxing Academy, if I'm not mistaken. So he's he lives in California now. He visits Dagestan regularly. He supposedly is withdrawing from UFC and MMA altogether to spend more time with his family. I actually tend to think he will be present in Australia, and he'll actually be cornering Islam for the biggest fight of his career, all right? Why wouldn't he? It's, it's uh, I think, misdirection to try to kind of get inside Volkanovsky's head. There's footage of Habib training Islam when they're saying, you know, he's not doing anything with MMA. So there's there's something weird going on here. And um, again, to be to to nail this down, I think that uh, there there's a possibility of two things there. You know, with the the symbolism of Habib rolling his right pant leg up, is he making fun of the Freemason in Volkanovsky or is he part of his own Sufi version of this? right doing the opposite a lot of a lot of shit over there in the east is very different opposite actually of i got some shit in my beard it wasn't spit though it was just it's something from earlier that happens when you wake up and you just start recording this is what happens here okay um but yeah a lot of times they just do shit backwards right from the way that we do it here uh writing left to right left right to left um rolling up the left pant leg versus the right pant leg it makes me think. So that's what I'm hoping it does for you, too. It's incredibly strange, though, and I'm trying to find the angle of where to bet on this fight. Is Islam going to continue his reign, or does the Freemason, alleged Freemason, and Volkanovsky stay at the top of the game? 
I don't know, but it's 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 just fascinating to me. And I'll finish this off just talking about Hasbullah a little bit because if you haven't heard of Hasbullah, you got to check him out. I'll actually show a picture here because the kid is he's funny. He really is funny. I've watched tons of videos on this dude. Hasbullah Magomedov, I believe is his last name. Actually got in trouble last year, 2 years ago or so for threatening a girl because she showed a video of <laughs> of his sister. This is him. This guy is 20. Okay, I'll actually double check his his correct age. Uh <laughs> let's see his age. I'm just pulling up his wiki bio. Look at that guy. He he's a he's a grown man. He's 18 as of 2021, uh living in this Makhachala, uh the Republic of Russia. He's 3 4, 18 kilograms. Uh, just a just a real interesting figure. Who does his dad look like? Kind of looks a lot like Ramzan Kadyrov. And this is a theory of mine. No proof, no nothing. They don't they don't talk about the guy's name. Clearly not Kadyrov, but is he a cousin uh, of Kadyrov? Is he a brother? Because, again, usually kids like this don't make it to the age of 21 or whatever he would be right now, right? Uh, in 2021, he was 18, so he'd be, shoot, he'd be 20, right? Uh, 19, 20, 21, somewhere in there. Is this guy related to Ramzan Kadyrov, and is he infiltrating the UFC at the highest levels of marketing? Because he is part of the UFC now, he'll probably be in Islam's corner, or he'll be involved in this fight here in Australia taking place Saturday the 11th, okay? There's so much there, and there's a lot more to uncover, but he's an interesting dude. I think that there's something to be said about this theory of mine. Uh, Again, it's more of a fun one. It's not meant to be taken too serious, but I think he's related to Ramzan in some way. Uh, Chechnya right there with Dagestan as far, like, you know, geographically speaking. And, um, man, it's just, it's strange. It's strange to see what is going on in this world of MMA. A lot of people here too, you know, they, they don't think that MMA is rigged. There's proof that Pride was rigged. Pride, an old Japanese organization where they're paying certain fighters to take certain dives and do all this shit a certain way. Uh, Kimbo Slice, an old street fighter that went pro and got a lot of attention to the UFC. Someone was paid off to stand up and fight with him, but then still ended up knocking him out because street fighters just aren't at the level of mixed martial artists. You know, there's proof that MMA is rigged. Now, in what way? What are they trying to convey in MMA? Are they trying to low-key put out the message that living hard and, and going through hard times is going to make you strong men and women because there's women fighters. I don't know, but uh, it is a hell of a hell of a thing. I don't think I even shared my screen when I was showing Hezbollah, did I? Sorry about that. I don't really do this too often, but yeah, I'll go back to it real quick. <laughs> uh, goofy little guy, again, 20 years old. This is his dad looking like straight Ramzan Kadyrov. But, and here goes my video wigging out. So sorry about that. First time I did it, I think. So, uh, the first time I could see it, at least strange, strange stuff. So, you know, I've got my theories. There is, um, Hezbollah and Habib kind of funny, right? Uh, this is, I believe actually in Dubai. So yeah, he's supposed to fight another kid with the same disability as him. Uh, again, these are adults though. So. The Russian uh, sports authority, whatever it would be there, actually said that this would be uh, 
immoral to do this. So they're they're allowed to let you know healthy, normal in quotes uh, kids fight with no headgear, but not two grown midgets fight. So it's strange. But again, guys, just uh, meant to be fun here. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, again, make sure that you check out the work of. Um, I forgot the guy's name already. Luckily, I'm in the Patreon. You won't get offended. Steven Strangles People or Steven Strangles. You can find him. Awesome stuff. Big thanks for creating that video. But excuse me. I'm going to get out of here. I got a lot of shit to do today, too. Um, if you like MMA stuff, I'm going to be releasing those on um, on Thursday nights. So check it out. And uh, thank you all for listening. Tell friends about the show, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm trying to decide if I want to do a music-focused episode for Friday or if I want to do a actor-focused episode. I was going to do the Grateful Dead one, but I feel like that one can wait because of the strange ritual thing that went on at the Grammys. I want to focus it on Hollywood as a whole and probably add to my series on either bands and musicians or actors in Hollywood. It seemed like a lot of people like the actor one, so I'll probably stick with that for Friday and it's fun and uh yeah just uh give me your thoughts though if you think about you know what you think a is is mma rigged right ufc rigged at the highest levels there is russia in cahoots somehow is is chechnya specifically in dagestan in cahoots with dana white in the ufc hard to prove and i'm not alleging it at all i'm just asking the question so you know fun stuff i i can't tell you how much i love finding ufc conspiracies there's a laundry list of them so i'm hoping that people that like mma will also come over to our side and start digging into conspiracies and and you know believing them more questioning things and then i'm also hoping that some of uh, my my people out here my conspiracy heads will get more into mma cuz it's a fun crossover there it's a really really fun crossover there um you have people like eddie bravo you have people like Sam Tripoli that, that are kind of into both of them. I don't enjoy either one of those individuals, but I think that there's a reason why there's a crossover there. It's, it's just a fun, fun community all around. So thank you guys. Hope you enjoyed this second installment of DWP versus the internet. My name is Ryan. You know that, um, everyone have a great rest of the day, rest of the weekend. If you're watching UFC 284, get at me in the DMS. We can talk about bets. We can talk about all kinds of shit. You're about to hear all the bets this evening that me and my uh, partner on the show, Nick, uh, have. And, you know, just our thoughts on this epic card that's about to go down on the 11th. So take care, everybody, and I'll see you all soon.